it again with another episode of the Your Wrong Sir podcast. Um, I'm extremely excited, right? We got a two-time guest today. Back at it again uh, with season three, and so this is my first guest on season three. So I'm excited. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, but I think the way that I'm going to tell this story, um, and I think the title of the podcast is going to call Being Uncomfortable, Be Uncomfortable, Something Uncomfortable. That's what the conversation is going to be about. So before we hop into it, if you're listening, please like, please subscribe, comment below. Uh, but my guest here is a special individual to me, um, a dear friend, a fellow podcaster of the Agent Talk podcast, a father, an NFL agent, and so much more. So I welcome y'all. Joshua Grady, thank you. What's good? Tap in. You're wrong, sir. Okay. As she said, if you're not subscribed, if you're not liking, throwing reviews, what are you doing? Let's tap in. We're here. I'm excited. And just want to help individuals become comfortable being uncomfortable. So yeah. I'm here. We already did the intro episode. We good. Y'all go listen to it too if you haven't done that yet. Yes. Yes. What we got? How okay. can I help the you're wrong, the sir community? Okay. So like I said, being uncomfortable. First question, I think to preface this, to start it off, I've seen Joshua go through like different phases. Like, you've seen me go through different phases. Like, when you first met me, I didn't know what I wanted to do in sports. I thought I wanted to be an agent. Now I'm doing podcasts and creating, things of that sort. And so I've seen you had less clients. So now having two more and both getting drafted. And I think we've just been through different chapters together, right? And so my first episode with Joshua, it was like straightforward, buy the book, what I think everybody on a typical podcast would ask you. What is it like being an agent? What do you do? What's the Rooney Rule? What's your story? Like, we all hear the same stuff. Like, we know your story, but we all hear the same stuff when people don't really know who you are. Um, and so I think this podcast comes, it's going to be more personal than last time, but really just in-depth. So I want to start it off with, like I said, we're changing. Our missions change, what we want to do change. Um, my first question is, what's your intention? Like, when, this is, when this is all over, yeah. what's your intention? What do you want to leave here? Um, who is Joshua Grady? Mm. So... Joshua Grady, mm -hmm. in synopsis, is a change maker, Ooh. influencer, and but not influence in the way we think with just an Instagram, TikTok, dancing type of video. Yeah. But someone that actually influences people in the world. Like, I want to say this is where I deem the world is, and I want to make it better, essentially. Okay. So, with my intention, I think it goes along the same lines, is I desire to leave this world as a better place than as I found it, mm -hmm. I would say, what does that tangibly look like? More education. Yes. Making sure that people are able to learn more. More transparent dialogues. I think we're already on that path of people being able to open up about mental health, being able to have true discussions. Like we talked yesterday for my podcast, talking more about parental type stuff or how does little things of how do you being a single, like not having siblings affect your mindset as a 20 year old. Right. And for me, I just want to be able to help people find out truly who they are, mm -hmm. what is their purpose. And I think if we can do that through education, through inspiration, then the world will be a better place. Ooh, I like that. You like that what's that intention question? Yeah, that's a good I question. Like that yeah, okay. Good question. With that being said, though, we kind of see Joshua's mission is to continue to change, right? Leave the world in a better place than before. And so I'm going to start off with a person who helped bring you here, your dad. Mm -hmm. Um, Woodrow Grady. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting him yet in person, but oh, you haven't met Pops yet. No, huh? 
bro. In due time. I gotta yeah. meet him. Yeah. Like bright personality, uh, amazing person. Just even from the interactions that we've had on Zoom via phone, all of those things. And so when it talks about leaving it better than before, um, I think you're a vessel of that for him, mm. right? And so you being here, the things that he's instilled in you, that's been passed down, and then so forth with Roman, and yeah. then yeah. And so basically for me, I always talk about being uncomfortable. And one of the first, I think, examples of me seeing you in adversity, not personally, but was being a quarterback. Mm, And so I think this is really good. And so this is me segueing into something new, right? So I'm going to intro with this book. It's called $40 Million Slaves by William C. Roden. If you have not read this, read it, okay? I think if you are an athlete in sports, you need to read it. Any sports, especially basketball, um, really any sport, okay? You need to read this. And if you are African-American, if you're an agent, if you're representing people, um, definitely tune into this because I think you need to understand the history of sports behind like what we do. And so I'm going to start off with the question. Joshua places this in a care packages for his athletes Mm -hmm. every single year before they get drafted. So, of course, I said it's a recommendation, but why did you feel like this is a must read? And then you also told me to read this, too. So Mm -hmm. what do you think is the importance of this book before we dive into the content? Yeah, so that's a good question. And even kind of like you had said with me playing quarterback, mm-hmm. I know that some of my dad, one of the reasons he pushed me to play quarterback was for decades, it was told that black men are not smart enough, essentially, exactly. to play quarterback. So I don't know if y'all knew that, but you can research it. Hey. If you look at the history of like why there has been, so, it's white male dominated at mm-hmm. the quarterback position, it's because like it was ingrained that if you're a black man like you don't have the mental capabilities to process as a white man exactly that's the reality of it and so since then like for me i've tried to be continuously not just through this but be on a journey to break limits and break thresholds and i think that was something that my dad was pushing me to Mm -hmm. now with this book why do i think that everyone needs to read it why do i think that my clients need to read it is because it gives more of the background and again, like you said, the education, the history behind us. And it's not just it does it, it's not just if you're black, you should read it. It's if you're white, Spanish, Asian, it does not matter. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think it's just one of those situations where you are able to truly, if you're a football player or a football fan, do you who was the man that you talked on? It was like the first uh or the school about how Grambling State at one point yes. had the same amount of wins or almost as many wins as Notre Dame. Yeah, and it had more professional players. Like, as before any school, Nobody knows had that. the most. Nobody knows Nobody that. Nobody knows that. And so for me, it's just, you do not know where you're going mm-hmm. until you know where you come from. Ooh, and so just the, like yeah, the butchers, it teaches you so much. It teaches you about, you know, the, one of the first um, black boxers that was able to go to Europe and earn okay, a paycheck. Yes. Like, I didn't know this. I didn't know the first game, the first football game that black people were able to play in. And mm-hmm. so I just think it it just gives you the foundation to where if you're going to be involved in the industry, you need to know how it started. Yeah, yes, definitely. So tying in being uncomfortable, reading this might be uncomfortable for a lot of people, a lot of athletes, you know, because he's basically telling y'all like you might be a slave to money. Mm-hmm. And so people may not feel like that. And so one of the things just going back to being uncomfortable, you talked about your dad emphasizing being a quarterback. We talked about the stereotype earlier. We talked about what people have thought, what history has been. And so in that experience, I'm curious, were you reluctant to play the quarterback position? Like when you were younger in high school and doing football, 7v7, were there a lot of African-Americans in quarterback 
position around you? Mm. And then if so, um, have you faced any personal adversities because of your race and being in that position? I would say when my dad first mentioned it, there wasn't a thought just because I was so young. I think I was like nine or 10. So okay. he kind of had a anger, like young. He's like, oh, I'm sorry him, I'm young on this track. <laughs> I don't think it was perhaps until high school mm. that you start seeing certain mannerisms that's like, just brings it into question. Tell me more, you so, wear armor, right? Yeah, so I actually started out at a school called Freedom. Okay. So Freedom High School was kind of like a well-off type of school, mm-hmm. I would say. Majority white, but a very mixed you know, uh, field more than anything else, like very diverse. And I remember I was a freshman replacing a se- or a junior at quarterback. Really? So I don't think it necessarily is all about race. Yeah. But I do know that a part is like, dang, like, for if you, you have this group of older white men, young men, and it's like their guy is mm-hmm. the starter quarterback replaced by a young black freshman quarterback. My mm-hmm. coach was black. I would be surprised if there was not any feeling of tension on their behalf. It's like mm. this black coach just replaced me by this black young quarterback, in my opinion. He's a freshman. Mm. And so I do think there was a part of that. I do know that, for instance, even my head coach himself did get into certain things my sophomore year that I believe could have been race-driven. Mm. I don't think that's – it's not something that's the end-all, be-all, but I don't that's think we can – Yeah, we cannot ignore that there are still certain stigmas about it. I would say more than anything else. Um, and then I think just going into college as well, there can still be, again, a stigma is, okay, if you are shorter, I'm six six foot, Lydia right. say I'm 5'10", but, I <laughs> foot, but you know, if you're 5'10-ish and you're black, you can't play quarterback, right? You should go to wide receiver. Mm. You should go to corner. Mm. People come up to you. Like, I'm, in, I'm in college. People asking you, and it's not their fault. It's just a part of the perception. People ask me, oh, you play for Vandy? Oh, you're a receiver. Yeah. You're a safety. It's like, why can't I be a quarterback? So I think it's very real. And it's very subtle. But also on the flip side, like, you have to be able to bring, like, speak truth to it. It's like, if you're a white receiver, uh, he must be a hard worker. Yeah. He must be smart. It's not that he can be fast. I personally wouldn't even take a white receiver serious. Because that is just something that we've come up with. It's all ingrained in us. Yeah. We see the OBJs. We see so many other people. It's just mm -hmm. like, what? You know? But even the same thing with like us being amazed by Lamar or Russell Wilson, and so many people is like, "Oh, Lamar is this, you know, this, that, and Deshaun Jackson, and so many other people." It's just a surprise when they do well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it just it. We have to be able. This is why I think your podcast is here. Is the whole point is to be able to break down certain mental frameworks that mm-hmm. society, our parents. Friends, ESPN. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do. Happy so, here to yeah. your own, sir. Mm-hmm. I have a question, too, just to follow up upon that. When people do come up to you, right? You're supposed to be a receiver, bro. Why are you not, uh, you know, a running back? How do you respond? In those mm-hmm. moments, because I feel like maybe you were younger, so you might have been maybe a little more ignorant then to understanding the history of things. Correct. How did you respond then? And if you can go back, would you change how you responded? I did not. And even in times now when people would ask me, and this maybe has to do more because I wasn't playing. Okay. <laughs> but people would ask and be like, oh, you know, what position did you play? I yeah. usually don't say quarterback anymore. Get out. I usually don't because it leads to, they raise the eyebrow. Like, oh, you were a quarterback. What, Joshua? And it leads to further conversation. What do you they, tell them? 
So initially, I just tell them I played wide right receiver, which I did. I played special teams, which I did. Okay. Um, but if it's a conversation where I don't really feel like answering more questions, mm. that's what I would say. If it's someone like you, yeah, you know, I came in as a quarterback after year one. They were like, hey. And this was like, this is Coach Frank. I love Coach Frank. I think yeah. he was really trying to put me in the best position to succeed physically. But mentally, like, at my heart, I was a quarterback. And, like, society will try to take that away from you, in my opinion. So, because I think is there's so much more to it now as where it's like, okay, you're not just a football player if you're a quarterback. Yeah. Like, you're supposed to be the face of the team. Mm. Like, you're supposed to be buttoned up. Things of that sort. And then people will start to put you in buckets. That's just like Lamar. Okay, well, he, wears a, he has an afro. You know, he doesn't really dress up. Exactly. He can't be a quarterback. And so it's one of those positions that has now certain attributes that mm-hmm. are beyond the field of play where they still try to, I think, just as a whole. And we can do it to ourselves as black people. We can. Like, we can degrade another black quarterback and be like, oh, like you should go play receiver corner. That happened yes. to me all the time in college. That's crazy. All of the time. I come in, older mm-hmm. vets, oh, you, you ought to be with them. Instead of promoting, like, you got this at your own position. Oh, yeah, I'm on the right topic. You passionate, though. Yeah. I see it. Because it's, it's, it's real, you know, and it's just something that's not talked on enough. It's the power position in America's most powerful sport. Mm. So. What questions are you avoiding? To not say quarterback, what do you not want people to ask you? What are you afraid Honestly, in full transparency, because I was a bench warmer. <laughs> <laughs> To be real with you. Because you know people going to look you up. Like, exactly. Even, they going to look at your stats. How many <laughs> passing yards? Oh, you threw three picks. No touchdowns. What was you doing? <laughs> even, even like at school at Illinois, it would be like, oh, I'm on the football team. You go look up the roster. You're, like, you don't You're not on the football you team. Don't, you don't play. Yeah. yeah, okay. I get that. Ooh, that's good. Mm-hmm. So. And two, mm-hmm. I think, I guess this is a bit different. If you, something that's never speak, spoken on as well, every position group, you have a room. So you're going to have a room where it's like, these are the people that you're going to practice with, that mm. you watch film with, like quarterback room, wide receiver room, running back room. If you're a black quarterback in a quarterback room, more than likely, you're going to be the only one mm. in that room. And there's still something to be said of being in a space where someone else looks like you. And I think there Facts. can be a discomfort when you are, as well as even to perhaps speak up for yourself when you are the only one in that space. So it's a lot that can go to it. It's a lot of psychological warfare that can happen i think do you feel like that's made you tougher do you feel like that's made you just more maybe even broadening your perspective to understand that there are bigger things out here Mm, i think so for sure because it just allows me now that i'm 29 and i'm able to kind of see everything for what it is Mm -hmm. is i think you're just able to really see the reality of life uh, I think you're able to see certain things that maybe go on in other organizations or in other teams. It's like, it makes sense. Like, that's where their mindset is. You can start seeing why. Well, it's so interesting how Lamar, and I use him as because he's a great example. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting how you can have this quarterback that wins the Heisman Trophy, who's like done phenomenal, yeah. and even still, it's people that doubt him and his throwing ability. Yeah, and I don't even think the media gives him the recognition that he deserves. No. Mm-mm, not no. at all. Like, you wouldn't think he was as quality of a quarterback as he is by the way that people portray him. You, The interesting thing, too, to me is the difference in treatment mm. off when you do something off the field. Because okay. for a lot of people, it's Lamar can maybe he plays reckless. Is he going to hold up? Is his body going to hold up? Whoop de whoop. Baker Mayfield was running around in college football. Mm-hmm. He's the champ. 
Mm. Like he number one pick. Like how could you overlook him? It could be it's even small stuff like uh, Shannon Sharp. His podcast when mm. Lamar was on the basketball court on concrete, and you see how Shannon came and he down was on him, killing him. And like, Shannon, mm-hmm. you're worth this much money, and how could you be on a basketball court and jeopard? Exactly, he's hooping, bro. Like he's having fun. If it was somebody else, it'd be like, oh, he's great for the community. Look at him yeah. amongst the kids. <laughs> amongst the kids, <laughs> it's a difference, and that's why I say it's not. It's beyond to me. Just a black people, white people thing. That's mm-hmm. Shannon Sharp, who is black. Condemning another black young quarterback for giving back to the community and being out on a basketball court. Because it's been instilled in us. Exactly. And so, we got to read stuff like this to break, I think, the cycle. You got to be able to unlearn yeah. what you have learned. Definitely. Ooh, okay. So, moving forward, we got first chapter, right? Being uncomfortable. Let's go to chapter two for me. Um, after football, like you said, Bench getting hot, you know, you warm it. You ain't, you ain't, <laughs> ain't get a lot of tick. Like, it's okay, but for me, that helps you figure out, okay, what's next? Correct. You always talk about thinking, what's next? He always talks about emphasizing with his parents telling him Vandy wasn't a four to five year decision, but a 40 to 50 year decision, mm-hmm. right? And so now you have to think about what's my 40 to 50 year? Decided that you want to be agent, decided that you want to do those things. But a lot of people don't know. And what I one of my favorite things is that I think you're not afraid to take risks, right? And we talk about being uncomfortable. That's where growth happens. You turn down an opportunity to work with one of the top sports agencies mm. to start your own. Black owned. Yes. Who does that? Mm. Why? So I will correct you. I actually turned out five. Oh, oh, one, oh, oh. So big money. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's been five agencies, some of the best of the best, like some that people put as like, this is the top three agencies. That's in the crazy, country. Joshua. Yeah. And so this was after, so we're actually in Indy recording this. This was when, after Jordan got drafted to okay. the Colts. So really? Yes. Yeah, so I just had my second player drafted and just wanted, like, they're a very world-renowned sports agency. Mm-hmm. And they reached out and was basically saying, like, hey, mm-hmm. we know about you, whoop-de-whoop, yeah. you know, all of the things. And for me, I think the biggest thing is, like, one of the main reasons why I wanted to come into this field is because I saw how bigger agencies were treating young black men. Okay. As just a check, just a way mm-hmm. to put money in your pocket without truly educating them, without teaching them how to start a business, without teaching them how to be a husband how to be a father, like true life skills. And so for me, since learning that, there was never any interest of working for a bigger agency, I would say. But I think also is there's something to be said about ownership. Like that's a Mm -hmm. very common dialogue that we're starting to see in our communities. I know we talk on that. Especially our generation. Exactly. And so for myself is you already had something that I owned and I owned it fully. Even though there's a risk that it could fail, Mm -hmm. I am more along the lines of I would, I'm willing to take that risk to invest it into myself and hope that I can manifest something for myself. And so I think that's the biggest thing is just, are you able to take a step away from security if you know that option B gives you maybe a higher ceiling or more purpose? Mm -hmm. Most people, the answer is no. But for me, some people might say it was dumb. Like they might've really (laughs) came in and be like, all right, we're gonna pay you six figure salary. Mm. You're gonna recruit for us, but I don't wanna work for someone. Mm. I want to be the person at the top I believe financially we would be taken care of and it's just a route that I need to make for myself. That's, that's, we're always talking about pushing past fear. Me and you have those conversations when it comes to content. We have that conversation about, I mean, everything. We're always like, 
person might be fearful. And I, why are you scared to do this? Joshua, why are you scared to do this? Why haven't you done this? So for me, what, where did you, where does that come from? Like instill within you, where does it come from to be like, hey, it's black owned. There might not be a lot out here. I'm young. At the time when you passed the test, you were the youngest mm-hmm. NFL agent. 23. 23. Yeah. How do you have so much certainty that like, I got this. And we're here five years later. And we're still here. We're still here. <laughs> you want me honest? Yeah. Honest. This is this is an honest answer. I need them all. What helped me get to the point of being able to take risk mm-hmm. and to overcome fear? Yes. Gambling. Gambling? Gambling. I grew up in, so I don't gamble, I would preface, I don't gamble anymore. Okay. It's, I'm done with that. Like, it's taking me down some dark roads. Really? Oh, yeah. However, so I'm from Tampa, Florida. There's one of the country's biggest casinos, Seminole Hard Rock and Casino. It's like 30 minutes from my house. Okay. So since I went 20, once I got turned 21, like, I'm at a casino. My dad used to go to the casino. I learned about how to play cards when I was little, blackjack, uh, little games, roulette, whatever it could be. And so I was like, oh, like, I'm going to be going up there. I was at a casino all the time. Get out. All the time. Like, Thursday, Friday. <laughs> not losing money, but, like, it's like, I got an hour. I'm certified as an agent, but I'm not really doing anything. I'm driving up to the casino. Wow. Like, why not go up there and try to make 50 bucks? Make $100. And sometimes it would become, like, more than that. Like, I've lost money. I've won some good amount of money. What's the worst amount of money you've lost? And gambling as a whole? Gambling as a whole. I don't know if I've ever told this to the world. I'm getting the real tea. Okay. <laughs> I guess. Yes. So the most I've ever lost in like one bet. Yes. I lost five thousand dollars. Get out. I lost five thousand dollars. This was this was years ago mm-hmm. when the Patriots were playing the Eagles in the Super Bowl, and Tom Brady was in game. the Super Bowl. I'm like, it's Tom. Tom's winning. Like you don't bet against Tom, and they lost. And I lost $5,000 when they played. Cause I'm like, it's guaranteed. You was hurt. Like, it's guaranteed. Did you even have five to give? I had it. Okay. Because I had won it. Okay. So it's like, and that's the thing with sports, baby. Like, if you listen, don't do it. Okay. Like, <laughs> you can build yourself up. I'm up 6000 I'm going to put it all on the Patriots. Gone. <laughs> so I would say the most I lost was five. The most I've ever won. So I, don't, I think Lydia might be the only one that knows this. I don't even know if she knows this. Mm-hmm. This was when... I went to Europe, and there was a World Cup. This might have been the last World Cup. So you can just Google when it was the last World Cup. France won. They had Pogba. They won. I know the whole thing, okay? Uh-huh. And so, like, I was betting on the whole World Cup, like, ongoing. Yeah. And then I ended up, I think I was up, like, $12,000, like, in profit, like, in green, <laughs> like, in the green. And I put, I think I want to say 10 more on France. And I want ten thousand dollars. Out. Yeah, that was my last last time I bet. That's worth it though. If you gonna in in on yeah. top or something. So, but that was also a part of was I'm still I was sure recouping losses from the past. I don't believe anybody gets truly into gambling and comes out on top. In my opinion, mm-hmm. it will take something from you. I know this is not where the podcast was going. No, we talking. But it's yeah, good. it will definitely take something from you. Yeah. And there was lessons learned though. Like it taught me how to take risk. It taught me to bet on myself. It taught me to say, hey, I got, like, this has to be it. And I'm right. And I'm right. But you are right, because mm-hmm. GSA is still standing. So, if you guys don't know, get in tune with Grady Sports Agency. Also, Grady Media. GSA, GSAfootball.com. Yes. Grady Sports plug Agency. Em, plug them, Okay, yes. GSAfootball.com, at GSA Football. I'm going to just put my IG, too, at Agent Grady underscore. Yes. 
I'm on the YouTube, Grady Media, at Grady Media on IG, like all the things, okay? So we're here, we're ready to go, and I'm just trying to create greatness. So that's what I got in our mid-episode commercial. Mid-episode, okay. And we start the agency, right? Five years in, of course it's hard. Um, I What it has been your biggest challenge? Since you've been a founder, since you've been the president, CEO, whatever you want to call yourself, what has mm. been the biggest challenge you've faced being an entrepreneur and taking that risk? The biggest challenge is when others tell you no, how do you respond? How do you mm. respond in the face of rejection, in the face of disappointment, in the face of what you might deem on the surface level as failure? Okay. I would say, um, I think that we live in a day and age where a lot of people, like we expect people to say yes. We do. We <laughs> expect to get it now. It's We tell ourselves, I'm qualified. Yep. I should be there. And we ain't did nothing. <laughs> like people will literally say, I deserve that job. You have done nothing to show for it except you got your college degree. That's and nice. so for me is like, you got to be able to get out the mud. Like you got to be able to like, I'm recruiting. We talked about it most recently. We're recruiting a guy for 16, 17 months. Yeah. We get to the finish line. They say no. What are you going to do? Whole team hurt. But. Whole team hurt. Next ready day. Though. Next day we good. But see, that's the thing. Three years ago, I wouldn't have been good the next day. Mm-hmm. I would have soaked on it. Three days, so four days. what's the transition? Why have you changed three years ago from now? This man says, some um, David Meltzer. I think I've told you all this. And he said, it's all about the perception that we have with no. Okay. Mm. He said, what if someone told you it was going to take you 50 no's to get to your first yes Ooh. or your first big success? So for me, say we deem GSA's first big success yeah. as a first round pick. Mm-hmm. It's going to take 50 rejections to get to the first round pick. And how many you got? Shoot, now it might be 100. <laughs> for real. But how would you feel if someone said it's going to take you 50 to get to your goal? How would you feel after a 20th rejection? You'd be like, all right, we're getting I'd somewhere. I'd be optimistic. I'm, hey, I'm 30 away. How would you feel when you got to 45? Feel better. How would you feel when the 50th person rejected you? I'm, I, it's gold. You're celebrating. I won. So why do we treat it any differently in life when we get rejected? Mm. If we know that there is a yes to come. It's lack of faith. That's what it is. A lot of people can't see that far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We cannot see past the rejection mm-hmm. that's right in our face to see the success that's a year down the road, mm. two years down the road. And so I think that's the biggest, but that's not my field. That's every field. Yeah. The hardest part for people is when someone tells you no, do you tell yourself yes? Mm. Simple. Okay. Because if you can do that, you will win. You will win in the end. Outside of no, I think you have had a challenge this year. Yes. Right? So coming onto the team. Mm, yes, correct. I met Joshua the summer of 2020, taking his Asian Academy. Tune in if you want to be a sports agent. New Academy coming 2022. Tap in, DM me if you're interested. Yes, okay. His description will be below. But I was like, hey, I think I want to be a sports agent. And so I decided to take Joshua's class and we built a relationship. September, had our first call with Rodney, got on the team. At this point, it's myself, Lexi, shout out Lexi, Rodney, and you. That's it. Mm-hmm. There's four of us and a graphic designer on the side. Yeah. Five of us. And our team has went from five since September of 2020. Double digits. To double digits. Right now, literally, in what, a year? Mm-hmm. We've a doubled. Year. More than doubled. Yeah. year. We've added better pieces, different pieces. We've learned how to communicate better. But um, I'm going to be real. We had a new addition to the team. 
uh, I kept pressing Joshua, like, we need this person on the team. Shout out Madison. Shout out Madison yeah. Lee, okay? Yeah. Go. Uh, amazing. Madison's amazing. So if you're watching this, we love you. But I was like, Joshua, we need her. Like, this is the piece that we're missing as a team. I kept telling him. Mm-hmm. He was playing around. He was playing. Because he didn't know who Madison was. And right. So I felt he had to get a feel. Ultimately, the decision came. Had a conversation with her. He was like, "Not, nah. like we got to bring on Madison." Madison is very outspoken, in a good way though. Mm-hmm. She challenges us. If she doesn't agree, she's like, oh, "Nope, we need to do this or whatever." And so I think this year, as a team, we've all gone through so many different changes individually, professionally. We had failures individually mm-hmm. on our team. Right. We had a lot of failures this year. Yeah. Yeah, everyone has Every taken an L. Every person has taken a major L. Like, an L. I got denied from a big offer. People have failed tests. Like it's been a lot going on, mm-hmm. and we have picked each other up. But I know that for Joshua, it's been a tough transition as a leader to go from having a company by yourself for four or five years to now being responsible for nine other people, mm. communicating with nine other people, and on top of that, agent side, and then it's marketing. So it's two different divisions of a major company. How, what? Just talk to me about that transition. I just want to know mm. what's going on in here because me being a part of the team under you, I don't know how it feels to be a leader of all of us. How is that? It's a lot, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, it's, it's a position where if you are very prideful, you'll never succeed. And if you don't have any pride about yourself, you won't succeed. Because people will put you down. They'll walk over you. Mm -hmm. And I think with God's timing, I read a book called The Art of War by, I think his name is Sun Tzu. And it just kind of talks about like the ultimate leadership, military leadership, Mm -hmm. leading troops to conquer those that you are trying to conquer. Like that's what we're trying to do. We are trying to conquer the media field. We're trying to conquer the agency. You want to conquer the podcast world. And so it really primed me, I would say, for what we've had to face. I think the hardest part, and, and I posted this on my Instagram the other day, is knowing that you don't know it all. Mm. Knowing that you cannot do it all. If you want to just start a small business and it remains small, you can do it by yourself. Okay. Like you can do it for 10 years. I could have ran GSA for 10 years by myself. Maybe we would have signed one guy every year, mm. and that would have been it. But we've seen so much exponential Progress. It's crazy. That comes with the team, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think it's not until you like. I think I want to say it's Gary V, and he says like you have to be able to outsource your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So the areas of yourself that are not strengths, instead of trying to all right, let me learn how to take pictures. Yeah. Let me learn how to graphic edit. Why don't you just outsource it to someone that that's already their strength? Yeah. Then that area that was once my weakness, you talk about Steven. Our graphics are now a strength. And so for me, I think it's that. I think it's understanding that you need help. Mm-hmm. And I also believe that there's a part of trust. I think my hardest part was not necessarily believing that I needed help. I believe that I knew that. It's do I trust you to be the you, one to help my me? my dream, though. Exactly. Yeah. That I don't think people realize is like, I'm not just trusting you to go to McDonald's. Like, I'm <laughs> trusting you with my years life work. Yeah, we meet clients. We get on calls with parents. Like, First, if we get one chance to talk to somebody, you leave a first impression, and you're trusting me to handle a marketing slide. Like, Anaya, Anaya's going to show up for me mm-hmm. and make sure that that family's impressed. Or Madison's going to come through. It's the, but I don't think people, it's both sides. As the business owner, you have to know that you have to have other people that you can trust. Mm. You have, that has to happen. 
or you will not succeed. You will burn yourself into the ground. Mm. But then on the flip side, if you are not the owner, if you are the person that's being entrusted, you have to, like, you had a, you understood the gravity of what I was trusting you with. Yeah. Like, it was serious. Like, we get on these calls, it's not play play. Mm-mm. Like, there is money on the line. <laughs> what Lydia and Roman are going to be able to have three months from now is on the line based on this one call that we have for 40 minutes. Right. You have to come correct. And so I think for you, like, you kind of knew that. Like, you realize, like, this is a serious field we're in. Mm-hmm. And so I think it goes both ways. But overall, as you go through that path, like, it started out with me. Like, there's been people on the team that, in my opinion, like, I thought, like, is it for life? They're not here anymore. Mm-hmm. It's the reality. Like, Mr. Wilkins, we talked about today. Like, you have to be able to, we're in a results business. Ooh, if there hello. are people <laughs> on your team that are not bringing in the results, and if it is not your fault that they are not bringing in the results, they go. You gotta go. <laughs> it's the reality of it. Because, like, the rent is still going to be due for me on the first of the month. Yeah. Like, it doesn't care about your feelings. It don't care about your excuses. And mm-hmm. so, for me, I think it's just, it's a continued process. I'm still learning of how to be a leader. But I do believe through this time, through the hard conversations we've had to have, through the people we've had to let go, through the people we've been able to bring on. Like, you brought up Madison. Mm-hmm. Another part of being a leader. You got to be able to admit when you're wrong. Madison is very quick to be like, ah, <laughs> you wrong. That might not. That might not make sense. Yeah. Maybe Joshua, you're trying to do too much. We don't really need to do that. We don't need to go sign this individual when I want to be full speed go. Mm. And so being able to listen and to learn from those around you, so that they feel they also have a piece of ownership. Mm-hmm. If you do all that, which is a lot, but you can be very successful. Mm. Are there times? I don't know about you, but for me, like there are times when like. You just don't feel like working hard. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Especially because, like, I'm a student, but you're a husband. You're mm-hmm. a dad. <laughs> like, that's a lot. How do you how do you balance carrying the weight of all of those things at one time? Mm. I think that's the thing, though, is you don't have to balance it. I th- that's one of the, it was something I think our pastor had said, and he was like, a lot of people ask me how does he balance being a pastor and being a husband and dad, whatever it could be. Mm. And he said, we got to try to remove the concept of balancing. To balance means you have something here, you have something here. We need equilibrium? And that's even still, an equilibrium is you're here. It's not two hands, mm. it's one. You don't balance it, how do you bring them together? Mm. How do you blend it? It's like a smoothie. All right, we got the strawberries here. You're talking today. Dang. We got these blueberries. <laughs> we got these banana. You're not going to hold a banana and nah, bring it together. Mm. And then they blend it accordingly. Like right now, we're still in the blending process. We've been blending. Oh, sometimes when you blend, oh, it's a little too thick. Something's got to come out. Mm. Oh, it needs more milk. Something's got to come in Ooh. until you get the right consistency. And then it's smooth. And right now, there's been a lot of blending. There's been adding, there's been taking away, yeah. but I think we are finding our consistency right now. I think and we it's, start selling it. It's, <laughs> it's, been, it's been smooth. It's been smooth in the last few weeks for us, yeah. for the team, for me and my wife. I'm spending a good amount of more, t- uh, much more time with Roman. Really? And so, because there's a lot, like, y'all now are able to get on calls and that you. I had to be on, that now I'm not having to be on for this hour, that's an hour with my family. Hmm. So it all goes back around. Learn that you don't know it all. You can't do it all. Outsource your weaknesses. Okay. Trust in your team. Life will be That's way it. better. That's way it. better. Ooh. Well, I'm going I'm to just, just transition to something different. Before we do, though, I'm huge on giving people their flowers while they are here. I'm proud of you. 
appreciate I'm it. really, really proud of you. Like, seriously, like, you this year. <laughs> <laughs> this year, I just tell, like, the team, I tell everybody, because I was going through a situation of transitioning. Where am I? Where do I fit in on the team? But to see you, I, I even notice, like, calls, like, he's frustrated. Like when Madison's saying something, or I'm saying something, you know, and I think we all have our moments of frustration, but to push through, to get up the next day, to text the dream team group chat, like, good morning, y'all, let's be great today. We get somewhere, bro. I'm proud yeah. of you. And I've seen you grow so much since we first started. But I feel like you were a superstar then. Like, I'm like, I got to talk to Joshua. <laughs> like, I got to get on the team. And now, I'm like, that was kitty pet. <laughs> like, mm. now you're at a whole different level. And so I'm proud of you. I'm Thank proud of us. But yeah, I'm proud of who you're becoming. Here, this I want. I appreciate. It. I did want to ask you a question that Lydia has asked me before. Mm-hmm. Because when you first joined, just like the other guys, Daniel, Rodney, a part of it is I think when you're joining something new, you can come in like big eyes. Yes. And in a sense, like oh, like Josh, like it's Joshua, like it's Aiden yes. Grady, like he's up here. Mm-hmm. How is it from your perspective mm-hmm. when you maybe see me flustered? Ooh. Or frustrated, or maybe like this man that when I first came on, like I put him here, but he's also like he's just a man. You're human. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's that's real though. Like when I came onto the team, I remember I ran downstairs and you texted me. I'm like, Ma, like he want me on the team. Like he want me to help. I'm hype. Like I'm ready to help. And so that's great. But I think sometimes it's just like anything can be blinding. Love can be mm. blinding. Happiness can be blinding, and not in a bad way. You're an amazing person. You're still who I thought you were. But now, like, I see flaws. You see mm-hmm. flaws in me more. Like, Ooh, right. we just, we see each other for, like, seriously, who we are. And our team is so comfortable. Like, to be real, y'all, we can get a call and scarf and, like, still have it productive and have a great I'm conversation. I'm doing laundry yesterday when we were on. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, it's okay. So, I think that, that's good. I think even more you just, I think that's the differentiation between people who are really here for your dream and people who are here for their resume. Ooh. Because... You can like, (laughs) like you can be here to be happy that you're here. Right. But when it all died down, when you're not, are you here for the dream or for the resume? Where you at? If you for the resume, we don't need you. I like that. Are you here for the dream or the resume? I like that one. So now I'm here for the dream. I'm here because I believe in what you're doing, and Mm. I want to help you get there. And I think Rodney, everybody on the team right now feels the exact way. Yes. And so now. It's okay that we don't see you as the biggest person in the world because we still believe in you. We still are proud of you. We still love you as an individual. I think it's different. Ah, <laughs> that's good. Yes. Right, yes. Okay. Last thing. Mm-hmm. Another chapter, being uncomfortable. So outside of uh, just what you've done, I think you've helped me do this and everybody on the team. Content. Y'all talking about Prince Don. This is the king of content, okay? This is the person who told me like, you need to be recording. You need to be doing this. Like, you need to show the world who you are. And you can control the narrative, right? You don't mm-hmm. have to show too much. You can show what you want to show. Right. And so, um, coming in, a lot of sports agents, we don't have access to them growing up. I definitely didn't. So, I'm grateful to have the relationship with you. But we don't see every single day. Mm. You and Nicole Lynn are, in my opinion, the only agents in the NFL game who are intentional about showing people what every day is like having a relationship with their clients, being in draft day, all of those different things, right? We've been recording reels. We've been getting content all week, me, Jason, and Jordan. So, you know, and to me, I think we did it before her. So, <laughs> like, I want to know how do you basically be a trendsetter, be a trailblazer to the fact that, like, 
when you weren't seeing Eugene <laughs> record mm. a reel every day with his family, why did you feel like that was the correct thing to do? Mm. And why were you okay with being uncomfortable, being in front of the camera, showing hey, people that's everything? Good. So I don't know if I've told you this. Mm-hmm. Being in front of the camera is not uncomfortable for me. Okay. Okay. I say that because when I was in high school, when mm-hmm. I had Snapchat, it's, this is where it started. It started on Snapchat. Like I always you been told quarter- me this before. I told you this before. Yeah. I've always been like a quarterback, a leader. I talked, but as far as like being putting myself in front of the camera, mm-hmm. it was when we would have. I was on Snapchat, and I would go on what I would call my rants. Okay. I would have rants <laughs> because Snap has like ten seconds. Yeah. And it's the next one. Yeah. Keep going. Yes. And I had and this was before like where Instagram where you can just hold your thumb and it's gonna keep going. <laughs> yeah. Like one at a time, one at a time, like uploading. And I used to I used to record these rants, mm-hmm. and it would talk about anything. I'll talk about life, I'll talk about food, some stuff that maybe was stupid at the time, but like it was my place. Yeah. Where I was like, if I'm on Snapchat, I can say whatever I want. Mm. And then I remember, I think this will help somebody out there. I remember I was at one of my good friends' homes, mm-hmm. and his now wife asked me, she said, Joshua, why, why do you do that? that? <laughs> like, why do you post all? Of why do you post all of your rants? Yeah. I just skip through them. Ooh. Is what she said. She was like, I just skip through them. And like at first I'm like, okay, when I record, I try to give something out to the world that I think could actually be taken home. Mm. And you telling me you, you skip it. You don't even listen. And for a moment, I was bothered. Moment of rejection. Mm. But I said, you know what? Then I don't record them for you. Ooh. Like they're not for <laughs> you. They're for someone else. And I think developing that mindset, mm-hmm. when I came to start my podcast, I still had hesitations. My wife bought me a mic. I didn't use it for another year and a half. Right. And I think it was more so maybe not fear of being in front of the camera, but fear of knowing what exactly I wanted to do and to talk about. And then it got to a moment again where I listened to Gary Vee. And Gary Vee was basically like, look, your content don't need to be perfect. It don't need to be beautiful. You just need to get it out. Mm-hmm. Just get it out. Like, just put something out into the world and keep doing it at a high rate, and your quality will increase. The team around you will increase. Mm-hmm. Your followers will increase. But you just got to do it. And I think that's the issue that we have is a lot of people have great ideas. A lot of people say, I want to start a YouTube. I want to create reels. I want to be an influencer. I want to do this, is this. But what are you actually doing? And for me, it. once I just started recording, mm-hmm. it just became, like you said earlier, like you become obsessed with it. You really start to enjoy it. And so I would say for me, it was not a fear of being in front of the camera, even though I know people have that. It was more so how and what should I do. But then the answer was, it's not the how, it's not the what. It's just doing it. it. Mm. And when I heard that, I said, all right, I can record now. Let's go. And I started recording myself in the, in the car. I would <laughs> record myself outside. Yeah. Like, I didn't have a camera. I didn't have he a did, sure mic. Yeah, his first podcast he recorded, he was on his front porch with some glasses front on. Porch. He was scruffy in quarantine, and mm-hmm. he was just with the computer talking. I would walk around my house. All right, I'm going to record. Should I do it in the front yard or backyard? Because Roman is inside sleeping. You know? <laughs> and so for me, I think it's you just got to do it. If this is something you care about, if you truly desire to give something to the world. Now, it does not need to be a podcast. It does not have to be YouTube. It can be a blog. It can be a newsletter. It can be online articles. You can be a photographer. Whatever it yeah. is, you just got, in my opinion, in my opinion, there is too much opportunity at hand mm-hmm. to not take a hold of it. Mm. So, And I would say, too, if you are someone that you're like, you're just a comfortable, stagnant person, mm-hmm. and you want to do something that's very easy, mm. 
to say, all right, maybe I want to be uncomfortable. Maybe you want to see how you shake back from being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. All you got to do, you take your clothes off, you get in a cold shower. Mm -hmm. Put the water on. You don't turn it to the heat. You literally like, because most showers start at cold anyways. Yeah. The first knob, that's going to get the water pressure out. You take a cold shower, 30 seconds. Time it. You stand in the shower and don't move. Do you last the 30 seconds? 30 seconds to be uncomfortable, knowing it's going to end. The hot water will come out. I can get out. I'll have a towel. I'm not going to break a bone. It's not going to do nothing permanently bad for you. It's a mental thing. But most people won't last the 30 seconds. Ooh. That's it. I don't see no better way to end a podcast. Take a cold shower. That's where it starts. If you can take a cold shower every day for 30 seconds, you can do anything you set your mind to. That's what we're going to leave y'all with. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode. Joshua, I feel like this is the best, one of the best episodes we recorded. And it won't be the last. It won't be the last. We got so many more to come. But find him at Agent Grady underscore on Instagram, Agent Talk Podcast, YouTube, everything. Stay tuned to see the growth of GSA and the rest of the companies we have in growth. Uh, companies. We, companies. With multiple S's. Plural. Uh, and we will catch y'all on the next episode. Thank you. We out. Oh, 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 oh.